0: That's a magnificent beard you've got, by the way. Thank you
1: very much. It used to be much, much longer, and then uh, I I got it trimmed, and now this is just easy to manage as opposed to being out here and looking a bit like Grizzly Adams.
0: Well, I just have beard envy because I've just got this pathetic little kind of, you know, goatee, whatever it is, thing. (laughs) And I just, you know, I just can't grow a big beard. It's just, you know, it's always been one of the banes of my life, Steve.
1: I'm just lazy. Don't like shaving. and and it just absolutely just destroys my neck whenever I used to shave so I just decided actually you know sod it and i to grow a beard and at the beginning my wife was like don't grow a beard please (laughs) and now she's that you can't ever shave this off now you do know that right ever
0: that is yeah that is terrible actually I have had um girlfriends in my life say to me yeah don't don't shave off the beard because even though even though there's not much (laughs) of it it still helps yeah every little helps welcome to talking books I'm Simon Mattox, and I read out loud for a living. Yes, I'm an audiobook narrator, and in this series of podcasts, I get together with an author whose book or books I've recorded, and we talk about writing, recording, and all things talking books. So listen, first of all, thank you for doing this. I'm here this morning talking books over the line, over the wonders of the internet, with best-selling urban fantasy, I'm supposed to say, author, Steve McHugh. That's what people tell me. Okay, so come on. What's, What's urban fantasy?
1: I actually had this chat uh, on a panel not long ago, and uh, urban fantasy I always thought was just fantasy sat in sort of modern times, so sorcerers and magic and vampires and werewolves, but set in a modern era. Right. But someone said that urban fantasy is, is that, but set in a specific city, so the city is part of the story. And if it's not that, it's contemporary fantasy. Uh, okay. But I think they're the same thing, if I'm honest with you. Okay. So, so yeah, it's, it's just fantasy, magic and monsters and crimes and mysteries
0: okay i was i was hoping is, that there might be a rural fantasy genre as well where people just you know go and at, go and have werewolves on farms and things yeah
1: yeah just just a small village somewhere where all the horrible stuff is happening and a f- local farmer has to deal with it
0: <laughs> so how long have you been writing
1: uh i've written on and off most of my life i'm 43 now so okay. i i first started writing when i was at school because um my English teacher. We used to have to do fiction writing every couple of weeks. We, we 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 would have a lesson, an hour, and you had to write some fiction. And I enjoyed it, but it, it was never really serious. And then I was for a while one of these people who said one day I'm going to write a book, and then didn't do anything. Um, yeah. And I hate those people now. And, um, <laughs> and and then when my daughter was born, my first child, I was 25, and uh, my oldest daughter, and um, that was kind of the push a need to kind of get on with it or be one of those people that annoys everybody for the rest of your life by saying one day I'm going to write a book. Yeah, yeah. So I did. And that got published and I was 30, 32. 32. So 11 years this April. Um,
0: okay. And what what book was that? Uh, Crimes Against Magic. So that was the Heliquin Chronicles?
1: Yeah, yeah. The first first Helicon Chronicles, Crimes Against Magic, was published in 2012. And then, so by the end of this year, I'll have 20... One books out published. Wow! I think I think it's twenty one. Might be twenty two. I can't remember now. So yeah, it's uh, so I've been doing it professionally for eleven years. I've been doing it full time for six. So uh, it's
0: been nice. That's fantastic. And what led you to fantasy as a genre?
1: I liked fantasy. I grew okay. up. Re- I liked when I, when I was a kid. Um, yeah, you know, going back to that English class actually. Uh, I used to read a lot of. Um, Roll and write kind of books, Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston fighting fantasy books. And we had a, in our English teacher, my English teacher's name was Mr. Piercy, and he used to give us, we had to write down what book we'd read that week. And that was our reading week. Okay. And mine were always these fighting fantasy roller dice stuff. And he took me to one side and said, You need to go next door to the library, the school library, and pick a book that doesn't involve rolling dice and drawing maps, <laughs> just a normal book. So I went next door to the library and I grabbed Terry Pratchett's Men at Arms and a David Gemmell trust book. I don't think it was the first one, but I can't remember now the top of my head. But I read them both, then went to the library, got Stephen King, Dean Koontz, and Rice, a bunch of others, read all of those, decided this is what I want to do. Right. And I, I've always liked fantastical things. So fantasy, sci-fi, so I've written a science fiction book, but mostly fantasy. Right. And I've always liked that kind of stuff, so that's kind of what I gravitate towards.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, sure. People say write what you know, but also write what you love, I guess.
1: Yeah, definitely more write what you love than write what you know. I, I don't know many sorcerers. Um, <laughs> Do you not? Or vampires. <laughs> so I just, There's a few, though, in Southampton, surely. There must be, one not it? Yeah, got, they're probably around there somewhere. So, yeah, I just write what I love. I write what I, as a reader, would go, I'd read that. Right. And that's kind of how it works.
0: Yeah. So, Mr. Piercy who, oddly enough, my old headmaster was called Mr. Piercy. I'm sure it's yeah. not the same one. So he was very instrumental then, really, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. He he gave me a kick up the butt to go and actually read and enjoy writing. We we uh, I wrote several stories in his class. One was about a boy who brought a frog home and hid it from his mum under his bed. Uh, I got an A for that, actually. And then another one I wrote <laughs> was about uh, we had to write a thriller. He, he would write words on the board. On the blackboard because they didn't, this was way before whiteboards and technology.
0: Back in the old days.
1: Back in the, well, yeah, the old school blackboard. And uh, I wrote a story about a CIA agent trying to outrun the KGB. Wow. Um, and I was taken to one side by Mr. Piercy and told that it was a very good book, but it was far too much swearing in it for a 14 year old boy to have written. <laughs> and I, I had to change all of that. I wasn't allowed to submit that as a, a piece of work with all the swearing in it. So I, uh, I yeah, but I, I loved his class. It was probably my favourite class.
0: Great. Um, so the Helaquin Chronicles. There were seven books. Yeah, in all. Yeah. So the, here we come to the to the th- the thorny question of I took over the narration of the Helaquin Chronicles, as I'm sure you know, on yes. book six. You did, yeah, Steve. Um, and I don't know why. I mean, I think the guy couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, James was ill. It was simple as that, and he couldn't. Oh, okay. I was told uh, James was ill, and uh, yourself was going to take over. And fair enough. That's
0: okay. That's and how did you? Well, I mean, how did you? I mean, I, I was going to say, how did you feel? And you, you—you don't have to be polite.
1: No, no, it didn't bother me at all. I—I um, I was like, well, you can't do it. You can't do it. So they gave me—they sent me a, a small recording of a, another book you'd done, but I can't remember what book it was. Okay, and I said, no, yeah, I remember, that's yeah. fine. But um, well, I think, and then. The book came out, and I got an email saying, you, you changed the audio guy. And I was like, I personally
0: oh, yeah. haven't. You must have got hate mail, didn't you? Death threats, I would imagine. <laughs> it, I, I,
1: there were no threats, thankfully, or hate mail, <laughs> but there were quite a few, why have you done this? Like, I, yes. it's, it's the same thing I get when they change the size of the paperbacks and people email me and say, why have you changed the paperback size? Well, I haven't. I I didn't do
0: it. <laughs> yes, you did, Steve. Come on, you did. <laughs> it's not a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, so I'd I'd um, just sort of restarted doing uh, audiobooks, and I'd done this one by Louise Voss and Mark Edwards, um, because she'd said to the publishers, can you use my friend Simon? And they went, mm, "Right then. Um, I don't know, eight months went by and then they contacted me and said, Would you do this? And it's part of a series. And I said, Yes. And they didn't give me any more kind of help or advice than that, really. They just sent me the book and went off you go. So I read it and then <laughs> yes. And then made the mistake of looking on Audible to see what some of the people had written about it. And and some of it is pretty fantastic i mean about me i mean so (laughs) one of the things i like is that somebody said the narrator made nate the renowned and feared heliquin sound like some 20 year old ordering a soy latte and whining about the cups not being eco-friendly wow that's uh, very
1: specific
0: oh yeah yeah uh good book but let down by a change in narrator a change in the way words and names are pronounced after five books is jarring which i get and somehow made nate sound whiny rather than badass or badass, I guess. So, yeah, there were lots in, that, lots in that vein. This is why you don't read reviews. Well, I, I haven't since. <laughs> I haven't since, because I've dared to. Um, <laughs> but it was it quite, I mean, I must say, I, I got quite kind of down about it. I was just like, oh, my God. But, of course, this happens a lot, obviously, that, in, you know, in the middle of a series, a narrator can change for whatever reason, and yep. people never react well.
1: No, people like things to stay the same. They like consistency.
0: Yeah. And also because, and because there are a lot of characters in, in your novels or in those novels, certainly, um, I guess you get used to the way that a narrator does those voices and, and even, even pronunciation of names. I mean, I didn't, I suppose I didn't have a clue that there might be a different way of, I can't even, I I don't know what examples they they said when they said I mispronounced names, but obviously I did.
1: Uh, I, I am of the opinion that, uh, it just, just because I think a name is pronounced one way, that isn't necessarily the way the name is pronounced. I think the name Abaddon is pronounced Abaddon. And someone else thinks it's pronounced Abaddon. And uh, okay. I got emails about Ab- Abaddon and Abaddon because the Avalon Chronicles, which came after, is, is narrated, I think, by Moira Quirk. And she pronounces it one way, and they think it should be pronounced another way. And I believe they're American and she's English. Um, okay. And I think that happens quite a lot especially with American-English sort of split, Right. Uh, they think something's pronounced one way because that's how it's pronounced in America, like aluminium and aluminium. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if they've never heard the word before and they've only ever read it, and then they hear someone say it, it isn't necessarily how they've always read that word sounding in their head as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you have very loyal fans, do you not?
1: <laughs> yes, they are. Yes,
0: they're a great bunch, and by loyal, we're we're kind of going. So, I mean, you know, they, they have strong opinions about stuff, and they don't. Well, and clearly, what you've said, they don't like. They fear change. Oh, they 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 have very strong opinions. I mean, people don't like change. I mean, you're right. Sorry. I mean, I'm not dissing them in any way. I mean, of course, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. They, they, you know, I think, I think, lot lots of people in any series when the narrator's changed is full of reviews that say. Why have you changed the narrator? The other guy did it well. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that happens quite a bit. Um, People who have read Crimes Against Magic tended to stay and read all of them, which uh, I've been informed is very rare. So I'm very happy about that. And and Mm -hmm. that's very nice. I think some of them were very unhappy that I ended the Helicon Chronicles at Scorch Shadows, which I hadn't originally wanted to do, but was um, suggested to me because it's not the end of the story and they come back for
0: right two more yes series. yes, yes cause I might yes because I've read some of the reviews of of mm. Scott Shadows just now actually and a lot of them were saying can't wait for the next one when he comes back Nate comes back with all his powers and yeah
1: yeah a few people were really annoyed with me about that um and it, it wasn't something I would have done and now it wasn't something I would have agreed to but at the time I didn't really think anything of it I thought yeah okay that's fine because I grew up reading comic books and sometimes the end of a comic is that's that done. And now we're going to go into a new series. So I didn't think anything of it, but uh, yeah, I think, I think that might have needlessly angered people. Um, And if I'm going to anger someone, I'd rather do it on purpose.
0: (laughs) <laughs> do you do you set out to anger your readers sometimes?
1: I haven't set out I've I've set out to annoy a few people. I uh, I, I didn't set out to uh I have annoyed a few people, I didn't set out to necessarily annoy them. Oh. Uh I annoyed a few people with um uh sorcery reborn when the bad guys are Nazis, that annoyed a few people, which is probably more says a lot more about them than it does about me. Okay. Um and Oh, the, the the other thing that sort of people got slightly irritated about was in, in Sorcery Reborn as well. There's there's um, there are marches through the city of Portland, and
0: uh, yes, I was, think I did Sorcery Reborn. You did, yeah. You
1: yeah, did, yeah, did yeah. The, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. and yeah, and great, they were. Yeah. Um, I wrote this book two years before the Black Lives Matter marches, and people were messaging me saying, "Why are you? Why are you writing these books about Black Lives Matter?" And I was like. Well, I didn't. I wrote them two years ago, before those marches happened. I just happened to pick the exact same flipping city that they occurred in and made right. it sound like they were the same thing. So, yeah, people got annoyed about that. But again, that says more about them than it probably does about me. And yeah. uh, if you're going to be annoyed about stuff like that, then you probably have deeper problems than what book you're reading.
0: Yeah. And it's something I've, I've talked about with, with other authors, especially... Um, uh, it's chat Mark Edwards, who I spoke to fairly recently, who, like you has a quite a strong online presence because you do don 't you you, have a, you yeah. have a Facebook page and you you en- you actively engage with your your readers people yeah. can contact you very easily which you know years ago, if somebody had a beef with an author then they couldn't but now yeah. they can how do you, I mean how do you feel about that? do you spend a long a lot of time kind of fostering this relationship if someone messages
1: me and it 's not horrible i 'll reply to it. Okay. Or, or at least like it or something. I mean, if they, if I, if I write a tweet or an Instagram post or something, and people message on it, I'll like it because I think that's the very least I can do. As as I've been told, a public figure, which I didn't like that sentence at all. Being told I was a public figure, <laughs> like no, I am not a public figure. Thank you. Uh, yeah, as as an author, I'm I'm always happy to just uh, you know like and engage. Um, And if someone messages me, then I'll I'll, I will try to remember to reply. If I am super busy, sometimes I forget, but Mm. most of the time I will at least try to remember to. And I just think, you know, when I when I was um when I was younger, uh, I would never have had the ability to message all of the the comic book writers and, and stuff that I I grew up reading and loving. And as I've gotten older and I've seen that they're online, I've been able to interact with them as well so i know how cool that is
0: right so you do it so you sort of you do it as a fan as well a fan of some people then
1: yeah like you know mark wade is is one of my favorite writers of all time and he's friends with me on facebook and that blows my mind a bit um and same with mike carey and all of these authors who i grew up reading And I've met some of them, and and yeah, that that is, boom, a bit, yeah, very cool, Uh, very cool. And they always respond, and they're always very nice. And um, I'm not saying about besties and go and hang out or anything, but we always, you know, they always respond, and they're always very kind. So. I quite like to, to... I always want to reciprocate that. It always feels... And I, I like talking to people as well. My my personality would be probably described as a bit weird because I'm not particularly outgoing. I don't really like going to parties or like going to like events and stuff like that. I like staying at home, watching the telly, playing computer games, reading and writing, and painting miniatures. Um, but I'm happy to chat to anybody about anything. Okay. So if someone wants to message me and say, hey, what's what uh, this, this, this about this? Um, then, yeah, I'll happily respond to that because i think that's part of your job as well as a
0: as a public figure
1: as a public figure as someone with a (laughs) with with an online presence someone messages you the least you can do is like the message i'm no different online as i am in real life so i don't really want i know people who put on a persona and i find that a lot of hard work um
0: yes i yeah i can i can't
1: imagine i I just that must be i don't want to do that I'm, just, I'm quite happy just bumbling along being me. That's fine.
0: <laughs> well, you're obviously doing, doing very well at bumbling along and being you.
1: I, I like going out in terms of I like going to places where I am. I have a knowledge of the place I'm going to. So I'm going to see my friends. That's great. If I'm going to go and see, do a panel at a con, that's great because they are my people. Okay. But, but when I get invited to go to parties – books and stuff i'm just like that seems like hell like loud music and just (laughs) (laughs) lots of drinking uh i'll just go sit in a corner and chat to someone i'd rather just do that and panels are great because i've met so many other authors who i don't wouldn't normally interact with on a panel and and become friends with them so yeah they're they're always good and good to watch because they're usually good fun
0: right do you listen to your own audiobooks
1: i used to um or I used to listen to a little bit. I, used, I, I usually when they come through I listen to like the first couple of chapters. Yeah. And then I think no I can't do this because it's my characters with someone else's voice. So I tend to stop. I haven't listened to any for a while. Okay. Um because it's not in my head is different to actually having it. So it's a bit like reading them. I can't go I've I, by the time the book is published I've probably read one of my books a dozen times at least. Okay. Um so then having someone narrate it to me feels weird yeah.
0: a bit. Yes, yeah, so I guess in an extreme way, you're kind of going, No, that isn't the voice that I have for that character in my head. Sometimes, yeah.
1: And I kind of don't I kind of want whoever's doing the audiobook, I want them to have the freedom to, to do the voices that they think that character would have. It's it's in a way their interpretation of the character that I've written. So if I say this person's Germanic, and they do uh, a a Northern German accent, and in my head I'm like, well, my friend who I very base this on is from Bavaria, and they don't sound quite like that. (laughs) No, I don't want to 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 do that. That's that would that would lead down a a road of me being like, no, I need to mark out where exactly people come from. Um, So yeah, I'm quite happy to to just kind of let the audio, whoever the audio reader is, just do their own thing with it um if they ask me on my advice i will happily give it to them but otherwise it's a little bit like if if they ever get made into a tv show that is their interpretation of what my books would be yeah i think if i start getting involved in that i'd drive myself insane yes because i would want things in the way that in my head that's how that should look and sound yeah
0: but um, some, but some writers do, don't they? I mean, some writers. I mean, I was, yeah. specifically for TV, I was just thinking. I mean, I've just recently, as I'm sure you know, more than half the country did just watch the end of uh, H- Happy Valley, and uh, you know, Sally Wainwright, of course, directed the first two series, and I think she didn't direct the third series or anything. But, but so obviously, yeah. she's obviously very involved in must be the casting and everything. So, so those characters must be very much how, yeah, she saw them or heard them in her head.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the famous one is. Anne Rice, she didn't want Tom Cruise for an interview with a vampire. She right. said he was all wrong for it. She wanted Ruger Hauer. And Ruger Hauer would have been amazing in that role. But Tom Cruise nailed that role as well. And he was absolutely spot on as, as um, the vampire in, in that film. So I think as an author, we can get a bit too close to our our baby, that is, whatever we've written. And I think, I think sometimes... Um, we need to take a step back and say, actually, you know what? That's fine. You you've done a great job, um, and it is perfect, and that's fine. And and the same is with 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 audio and and you know video game interpretations. You know, The Witcher, the books of The Witcher are completely different to like Witcher three, but they can they're an interpretation of that. And it's not quite so much with an audio book because you're reading the actual words. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't want to start. Going, yeah, that voice isn't quite the voice I had, and that voice isn't quite the voice I had. So, I tend to listen to the first chapter and go, "Hey, that was really good. I'm a genius." <laughs> and then I, uh, and then I stop before I get too far into it. <laughs> and
0: they start to really annoy you. Oh, cause, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, I was going to say to you about the the, the character of Remmy, who I who I made gradually more and more camp over the sort of over the books. Um, just because I somehow something in the writing kind of lent itself to, to that to me, and I just wondered how you know. But you probably never heard me do it, so so it's no use asking. asking I, I don't know.
1: I don't think I did. I, I Remy is one of my favourite characters. I love Remy. Remy was never supposed Remy. to be in more than one book. Uh, <laughs> I just love writing him so much. Right, he's such an angry little ball of fox. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. And. Um, He's he's just he's he's every inner thought that I have just spewed out onto the page, <laughs> and um and he's he's a red fox and he's amazing and I love writing him and, and to be fair he would be quite I mean he was a, a the son of a French aristocrat so he's not going to be the um no the most gruff
0: sounding no person I mean I think that. I made him just quite sort of posh and quite sort of acerbic mm. so yeah I mean I, lo- I I thought he was fantastic I loved it.
1: I, I love Remy. He's the one character people ask me to write a whole book about, and I've written a book about him already, and they want more. And I just think that the, the, my, my thing with Remy is that I think he works better as a character to, in, a, in an ensemble to bounce off everybody else. Because right. if he's just by himself, um, not bouncing off of other, other people, he's, he becomes less about Remy. He's he, more in his own head. Right. Right. And I don't want to write a whole book inside Remy's head. I think that might drive me crazy. Um, but yeah, he's he's brilliant. People love Remy. People just—I get messages probably about Remy more than than anybody else. Really? Because they just love him. And he—he—I literally—I wrote him, and I wrote him in uh, *Prison of Hope*, and then *The Gardens of the Galaxy* film came out. Oh yes, and and with Rocket. And I had to go back in and write a bit about how he hates that bloody raccoon because people keep thinking he is Rocket. <laughs> and then people kept me- would message me and say, you have well, you done this from the Guardians of the Galaxy? And I'm like, I wrote this a year and a half before that bloody film came out. Yeah. And he's nothing like the actual uh, comic book version of Rocket, who's a complete psychopath. Remy's Remy's great. I, I I like the fact that I can write this character who is just a sweary fox man, who often just suggests stabbing people. As a result, the problems, and everyone's perfectly okay with it.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, brilliant. I I must say, I was I think I've been more nervous about doing your books than any any other book. I think because fantasy, I it's not a it's not a, a genre that I. I read myself or or know very much about really. And I think, and also because I think, you know, having taken over in the middle of the series and and got got quite a lot of negative reaction, I was just like, Oh my God. I mean, I'm so I I was very concerned uh, that I would get it right for you. But of course, in a way from what you said, that's kind of naive because, because you don't care. I mean, you care, but you don't, as you say, you don't listen and you're happy just to go, no, it's fine. It's your thing. Get on with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want it to be terrible. if, if, you know, I, when, when, um, they were casting for, um, the Avalon Chronicles, they sent me three snippets of three different ladies doing the narrating and they asked me to pick. And one of them was very clearly had, uh, more in my head of what, um, Leila sounds like. So I picked her and I think that was Moira. So that was fine. But but that's her interpretation, yeah, of, of those books. So I want it to be good, and I want the person who does the audiobook to be good, but I also want them to feel free to do the performance of reading the book that they want to do. There's, there's a lot of audiobooks that, like things with Stephen Fry and things like that, hmm. and you wouldn't say, be less Stephen Fry. <laughs> like, he's doing his version of, he's reading that True. in his own thing, and I think that should be the truth for every audio reader. The narrator, they're, they're doing yeah. what they think is. That's, the yeah, character. that's that's <laughs> very
0: interesting because I teach um, students, and, and I, one of the things I teach them is, is audiobooks. And I, you know, first thing I'd say to them is, you know, have you ever listened to any audiobooks? And they all say, uh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. You know. And of course, it was all, yeah, you know, yeah. when they were kids and it was all Stephen Fry. But of course, he is he's so mannered. He what is it? He is so Stephen Fry, as you say. Yes. So in a way, he brings his whole kind of persona to something. Whereas I think somebody like, me and I suspect most kind of jobbing narrators are not you know not trying to impose themselves on the book I mean I guess to an extent we do because we're reading it but you try and serve the text which is a very sort of poncy actory thing to say
1: but at the same time I want whoever's narrating it to feel like they have the freedom to do their narration in the way that they want to do and they feel that the characters deserve and they feel like the characters would sound like mm. would the cadences of their voice and all those sorts of things mm. I, I like that i like hearing that i listen to quite a lot of audiobooks when i'm at the gym um, do you so
0: you listen to other people's y-
1: yeah i listen to audiobooks quite a lot at the gym i i'm making my way through gaunt's ghosts for the warhammer books at the moment okay. and then um i've got loads of audiobooks but uh and and there was a, there was one that was a vampire one, Infernal Impact or something like that, um, and it had some really big name actors in it, uh, and it was really good. So I quite like those ensemble casts of do you of, of various people playing various parts. I think they're quite good. It very much depends on the book because I know that Scorch Shadows had
0: yes, three that was three people wasn't it, I think. Yeah.
1: Because obviously there's Mordred and then Nate and then Arthur. Maybe. I uh, remember. But uh, no, there's three. That. And um, I quite enjoyed that.
0: Oh, Sorry, Scorch Shadows was just me.
1: Oh, okay. One of them has
0: a Yes, bunch. one of them does. For, well, Sorcery Reborn was... That's the Rebellion Chronicles book once. That was, that, was, that was Simon Mattox, Elizabeth Nolden.
1: Horseman's War, I think, had three then. Yeah, well, certainly one of them. I'm yes,
0: Horseman's be. War. Yes, you're right. Steve West, me, and Moira Quirk. Yeah.
1: yeah. So Moira did the, the chapters for Layla. Steve did the chapters for Mordred, and then you did the Nate chapters, right?
0: Um, Despite sounding like a twenty-year-old who wanted to order a latte, <laughs> but but got the cups wrong, yeah.
1: And and the more I've written, and the more audiobooks I've had, the more I'm aware of how hard some of the words are. I put in the Riftborn, the, the new book Riftborn has I um, I can't even begin to pronounce it, but it has a place <laughs> in it that is a an Inuit word. It's about seventeen characters long. You bugger! I know, and I don't know how to pronounce it. And I said to, I said, "This this is a real place, so it has to be actually, you know, pronounced properly." <laughs> but I have no idea how to pronounce it because I don't read or speak Inuit.
0: Mm, funnily enough, so
1: yeah. oh, funnily enough, and and I can't find anywhere online because there are places online that kind of pronounce sure. words for you. Yeah, yeah. But there's three different pronunciations. So good yeah. luck. And thank you very much for reading my book. (laughs) I don't know what to do about that. So, and they they sent me through a a thing to say, can you go through your manuscript and find every single word that needs a pronunciation? So anything that's names or places. And I got to that one. I was just like, look, guys, I'd rather change the location of it than get it wrong. Because if I get it wrong, someone who lives near there is going to know they got it wrong and I'm going to get an email. And I don't want an email from someone who I've offended by... (laughs) completely getting this word wrong and they said no it's fine we'll get it right and they got it right so i'm really happy about that but writing it i was just like the audio person's gonna murder me and i'm very sorry and this happened a few times where i've come up with a word and I've, or i've
0: made a word up and i'm like yeah i do find those difficult when someone <laughs> when an author's made a word up clearly and you think you know i've, I've got one in a book i'm prepping at the moment it's a made-up corporation and i'm thinking I, I don't i don't know you know and I suppose it doesn't matter because it's a made up name, so I can come up with what I think is right and that's okay. But
1: And sometimes you'll ask the author and they won't know because they no. just thought, yeah, that looks like about right. But yeah. they don't actually know how it pronounced or how it would sound because no. they haven't thought about the, the the way in which the letters would move one another or, or anything like that. No. They've just thought, those letters together that's a word. <laughs> that's
0: a word. But that's interesting. So you do but you do think about the potential narrator then when you're when you're yeah. writing.
1: Yeah. Mm. That's why I also use, I've started to use said more than adjectives. Okay.
0: That's interesting.
1: Because I find when I'm listening to an audiobook and there's lots of, he whispered, he exonerated or whatever, mm. um, I'm like, that kind of takes you out for a second because I just find that, because said is such a word that's just completely, you don't worry about it. Said, next person. Said, next person. Yeah. And you don't think about the word said. You don't read it either when you're reading. No. And it, I think it flows easier on the on the eye and i know that speaking to audio uh, podium audio and, and 47 north when they preferred said to using other words to describe the same thing um asked is okay as well whispered is fine but but uh
0: you know ejaculated which, yeah, which, things like <laughs> that. Just which they used to do. I've just I've just read a book which was written um, in the 1930s, and there's uh, there's a few times ejaculated the chief inspector, and you're like, okay, um, interesting. Yeah. But of course, it was a yeah. you know, it was a very common it was phrase in those days. Uh, to say something. Yeah, I just was, I
1: just um, I think said ages better as well. Yes, because they they've always used said, yeah. and there's, that doesn't really go out of fashion because it's always there.
0: And of course, some authors are tempted to say. He said, resignedly, or he said uh, angrily, or you know, so they're tempted to give it some kind of,
1: yeah, I
0: color. Do you, I would put? Do you do that?
1: I would put he sighed, or shouted, or he what that, what he did. Okay. Or he said with a shout, um, yeah, yeah. or a sigh, or whatever yeah. ha- happens after.
0: Right. Okay.
1: I think once you start going, he said dramatically well you should probably get that from the context of what the sentence is yeah that it was a dramatically said you know Mm. he said throwing his hands and hands in the air is is probably works out better than he said dramatically yes and trying to trying to make it look like or it sound like sorry what a person would do without having the narrator having to go into lots of lee words at the ends of Mm. uh speech but I do think about the audiobook when I'm, when I'm writing. Uh, occasionally, I think about the audio, the, the narrator, and, and think I must apologise for whatever this is that they have to read.
0: <laughs> do, you, uh, do you find that you have more contact with narrators now, these days, I would say, rather than sort of years ago when you first started? Because I think it's changed.
1: Yes, I, I have. Uh, I've spoken to, to yourself obviously mm-hmm. uh, moira has messaged me before to say can you just tell me how you say what this word pronounced and this word pronounced and stuff like that so yeah i think i think it's easier to get contact
0: yes i think it is in in yeah in the modern world because of you know facebook and and, and because as we discussed earlier most authors do have some kind of online presence so you can yeah kind of reach out despite the fact that we as narrators are discouraged to do so by the publisher no, i'm happy
1: to I I have always always happy to mm. if if a narrator is reading my book and they have a question, I'd rather they email me, yeah, and just or, or message me and just say, look, mm. I've just got this question. Is this what you mean? This is this is this the tone you're going for? Is this the the you know the the bit thing you're going for? And I can say yes or no or, or whatever I meant. Mm. So yeah, I would rather that I got an email or, or, or not even an email, just a message, just to say yeah hey, can we discuss this further yeah I I, I I don't see I don't want publishers to to discourage contact I think at the end of the day we're all working towards the same
0: thing well that's my certainly my feeling and I, and I think I mean I do get the impression that it's changing I mean I must go and talk to a publisher really and, and find out their take on it because maybe I, you know maybe I'm wrong but it's certainly I'm not wrong I mean I've been you know I certainly have had contact from audiobook companies who've said, you know, we we prefer you not to reach out to the author, please, because you know the publishers don't like it; they don't want the author to be bothered.
1: Um, yeah, I'm I'm perfectly happy. Bother me, I don't. Yeah, don't bother me at all. Okay. Um, I I've um, there seems to be, I'm not saying it's a new wave, but there's there's a, roughly my age author come through at roughly a similar time. The last five years, they've done quite well. And we all think, because we've all kind of come through becoming an author with social media and all those sorts of things, that we are a bit more open to being contacted and asked, Mm. is this okay? Is this what you like? You know, I think most of us expect, not just from audio, but we expect the publisher to say, this is the cover that
0: we're thinking of, what do you think? Okay, so and, and so that's a new thing. That's a fairly new development, is it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember speaking to authors when I first started out who said, you don't ever get any say any cover. And I've had say in every single cover I've ever had, and I've only ever had one title changed.
0: Right, I was going to ask about titles, because, I, permission. because speaking to other authors in, in different genres, authors who are, who are slightly older than you as well, and they've mm. said, oh, you know, the title thing, I, I don't know. I don't get... To have my, the title that I wanted. The publisher's come up with something. I hate it, but it goes out.
1: I've had one title changed ever. Okay. And that was it. And that was with my consent, because I couldn't think of what the title would be otherwise. So uh, the okay. one that I sent to them, I literally said, I don't like this title that I've come up with. Can you come up with a better one, please? Right. I can't think of one. And they came up with one, and I liked it. And, uh, and that was uh, Thunder of War. That was the only title that was ever, ever changed I can't even remember what the, the original title was now, but um, mm. when I sent the book through, it had the original title, and I didn't like it, and, uh, and they said, how about Thunder of Do
0: you think that's because your, your genre is very specific and that you're, you're going to be more of an expert on that genre in many ways than the publishers are?
1: Uh, maybe. I, I, I think there might be something to that. I think as someone who has self-published work as well, I think when you're self-publishing and traditionally publishing, that self-publishing side means that you know about covers and you know about titles and roughly what title to use and what words might stick in someone's mind and things like that because you've got to do all that research for your own self-published yeah. stuff. So a lot of friends of mine who are authors who have self-published do tend to like to have their hand in the traditional publishing uh, side of things. with, And I, I do know authors who get no say in the cover at all. And they get told by their publisher, "This is your cover. It's cool, isn't it?" And <laughs> <laughs> that's that. Right. But I've always had, you know, Podium who do the Riftborn books, which are my newest books. They've, you know, they worked with me on every single part of the covers. And my original idea for them was to do something very different from all the Heliquin stuff. And I thought they did a really good job. And I quite liked that. I quite liked working with them because at the end of the day, it's it's the whole concept of mm. the book, mm. it's the book and how it looks and how it's presented. And no, I don't really care what font they decide to use, so long as it's not Comic Sans but or, or Papyrus or something. But um, <laughs> I, I, I would like to be told, like, this is what the cover looks like. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'd be quite despondent if I was told, this is what your cover looks like. You've got no say in it. Mm. I'd at least like to be asked, even if they're not going to change anything. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, to pay, like, li- to pay lip service to it at least. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like uh, Horseman's War... I think it was Horseman's War, they sent me the cover and they said, this is the cover. And I was like, that's really nice. Can you just change one thing? And they said, yes, that was done. But they'd already done the cover before they'd ever showed me it. They already showed me, this is what the cover's going to be. This is what it's going to look like. And I liked it, so it was fine. Mm. And if I didn't like it, it was tough. Because that was the cover. Right. So you kind of have to do a little bit of give and take. But even then, they still said, what do you think? Yeah. And I quite like being asked. Mm. You know, especially um, after having to do self-publishing stuff.
0: So tell me about the self-publishing. Did you start out self-publishing?
1: I self-published uh, Crumbs Against Magic. Yeah, that was self-published in April 2012. Uh, and it uh, it sold 28 books in April 2012. Uh, wow. And I was over the moon. I was like, "Woo! I'm a millionaire. I'm not. It was like 100 quid. <laughs> um, and then uh, I don't know what happened, if I'm completely honest. By July I was selling several thousand a month. By the end of the year I put wow. the second book out and I'd sold something like thirty thousand books. No, probably not quite that many, twenty thousand, twenty five thousand, something like that. Thousand books since April. And I was like, I don't understand wow. what's going on there. And then Forty Seven Or contacted me and said, We want to give you a uh a contract to publish republish those two and publish everything else. So that's what I did. And then um I said to them, okay, well, I'd still like to self-publish like novellas and stuff. Are you okay with that? And they said, yeah, you, you do what you want with Ozone. So over the years, I kept my hand in doing The, the Hunted, The Remy Novella, and uh, Frozen Rage, hmm. the, the, the Nate Murder Mystery. That was the most fun in the world to write. Because I just wrote a Columbo episode with magic. And it was great. <laughs> I loved every, I got to do the... One more thing. Every, it, was, it, it would never have been published by a traditional publisher in a million years. And, and it was brilliant. It was absolutely – I grew up watching Columbo. And, and Murder, She Wrote and all those yeah. sorts of things. And, and I always wanted to write one. And that was my big Columbo murder mystery book. And then, and then Black Coat as well, which was science fiction.
0: Oh, okay. So completely different, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, the thing with, with self-publishing is you can kind of take a chance on something. If I went to my publisher and said, I'd like to write a sci-fi book, they said, you are a fantasy author. Okay, they would do that.
0: They wouldn't say, well, send it to us and we'll see. They would just go, no, Steve, don't do that.
1: Yeah, unless you are Brandon Sanderson, in which case you are allowed to write whatever you want, really. But in you know, if you are a success in one thing, and that's what people know you for, they don't really want you to go and change to a different genre without some sort of crossover between them. Right. That's not the same for everybody, but roughly. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote it myself, and then it did really well. And people keep asking me for a sequel, but I have like contracts and stuff I had to write
0: first. So, right. So, I mean, so it sounds to me like you write a lot. Yeah. He says naively. I mean, how long does it take you to write something? I mean, I guess it depends how long the novel is. I know, but I
1: write about 10,000 words a week ish. Wow. Okay. And I, I tend to, when I'm writing, so, so I like to do, I, I only really write Monday to Friday is the kids are at school and I can just work. And I attend to write until I've hit the middle of a chapter and then I'll stop. And then the following day i go back and I read from the beginning of the chapter to the middle of the chapter. By the time I've hit the middle of the chapter, I'm ready to go because I know what's going to come next. And that's how I've always done it. And then I can just hit another 2,000 words. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. But I try to do that. So it takes me about three months
0: to write a 100,000-word book-ish. And then I take some time off and then I do it again. But presumably, once you, when you're writing that book for the three months, you're only concentrating on that book. You're not thinking of other books by writing that book, presumably, are you? Yeah. I, I'm only
1: writing one book at a time because I, I don't want my brain to melt. So um, <laughs> yeah. I, I only write one book at a time. But yeah. whilst I'm writing that book, I'm usually making notes on at least two others. So Really? So wow. yeah, so I'm writing a book, and at the same time, I will be... So at the moment, I'm writing a vampire book. I've never written a vampire book before, and uh, it's going very well. And I'm enjoying it very much, but I'm also at the same time making notes for what I want to work on afterwards.
0: Okay, because you've got a book that's about to come out. I meant to, to say yeah. we should mention that. What, tell me, what, what's the title?
1: Blessed Odds. It's the, the second Riftborn book. It's the sequel to uh, The Last Raven, and it comes out on the 21st of February, or the 23rd. It comes out in February. Uh, and okay. then the third book <laughs> okay. comes out in June. So A Talon's Wrath is out in June.
0: And you've written that?
1: Oh, that's already written that. I proofread that yesterday. So all three of those books are done, and then hopefully if they do well, then my publisher will say, here, yeah, have some money and we'll write some more. But yeah, they, they are urban fantasy, but they are not traditional urban fantasy. There's no sorcerers and vampires and werewolves and stuff. These are these are a bit uh, lower key than the Heliquid stuff, which was sort of world-ending, mm. Avenger-type books.
0: And and who's narrating these?
1: Uh, Matthew Wolfe has narrated the first one. I'm pretty certain he's doing the second one as well. Um, I haven't been told otherwise. Um, so I assume he will do all three. And uh, so, and he's done a very good job, and people seem to like it. And
0: and do you get – I mean, so I was going to ask you, so you, you do get – they send you – you said they sent you three uh, – female narrators when you did uh, yes. the um, Avalon Chronicles but so for this one they sent you a, a short list did they they, me, as they well? asked
1: me who I would like to do it okay. and um, they told me to think big so I put um, James McAvoy and they said not that big uh, <laughs> he said, you've got no chance and I was like tell me to think big uh, yeah, yeah. and then they sent me uh, Matthew Wolfe and uh, another gentleman whose name I've completely forgotten and they said pick and they were both really, really good. And um, I had my wife come in and listen to them both. And just I was just like, I couldn't, I can't pick. But Matthew just sounded just a bit more like what it was in my head. So right. um, I said, Matthew, please. And they they picked Matthew. And the, the book I'm currently working on, a vampire book, the main character is Scottish. So I'm really looking forward to who they can get. I'm, I am swear to God I'm going to get James McAvoy. I'm just going to keep writing people until they say...
0: So they say James McAvoy. Well, if you want a poor man's James McAvoy who does a very good (laughs) Scots accent, mate, look no bloody further than me, okay? That's all I'm Uh, saying.
1: Friends of mine have also said James McAvoy. My uh, my
0: friend of mine, Justin, he's
1: Scottish, and they asked him who he'd like for his narrator, and he said James McAvoy, and they said, no, we can't do. So,
0: But you know uh, why? You know why you're not going to get James McAvoy? It's because they don't pay you enough.
1: That's yeah. Well, yeah. That's, I mean, I'm a,
0: a, I'm afraid that's it's pure and simple. He's a that's it. Knife. Unless James McAvoy went, oh okay, I've got two days. I'm not doing <laughs> yeah, it. I'm not doing anything, and I'll get paid. You know, whatever it is. Then okay. But otherwise, no. You, you but, won't get. But it.
1: They, if they're going to keep saying think big, ask ask whichever one you absolutely. Want. I'm going to keep absolutely. saying James. Anyone like to read a book? <laughs> so the new book's out next next week best odds great
0: it's, uh, great it's good well fantastic i look forward to uh well I'm, i might read it or i might i might listen to the um yeah matt wolf Ma- matthew yeah, wolf. Uh, um, yeah matthew wolf. yeah yeah uh listen thank you i've, I've one last little question so I mean, it's a stupid question in you know you deal with a lot of uh your characters have special powers so if you had a if you had a special power steve McHugh, <laughs> what what would it be
1: Oh, blimey.
0: I mean, you've got a special power, mate, I have to tell you, which is this ability to, to write a book and still be making notes on two others I think is incredible, frankly. But anyway. Thank
1: you. Uh, I would like to be able to stop time. Okay. That, that would be pretty cool because then I could write and get it all done and then I could be like, right, I'm just going to stop time for a few hours and no one can email me and no one can ask me for anything. I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to just have a rest without anyone, not not even going to sleep, just walk outside, and no one's there, and, every, and it'd be lovely. Well, that sounds great. Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day. And I would 100% use that power for evil, uh, just so everyone's aware. <laughs> I, I would be robbing banks. I would be like, yeah, no, I'm I'm just going to go and take all the money out of that bank.
0: You wouldn't be out looking after kittens and chasing rainbows.
1: <laughs> no, no, I would be... I got asked in a panel if I if what my uh, this was a while ago what most elemental power I'd like and I said fire and they said would you use that for good and I was like well, no who's going to be like yeah I can conjure fireballs I'm going to be a good guy no, no no it's more fun being the <laughs> being the villains why when you used to play like video games like Knights of the Old Republic you were a Sith because you could throw lightning bolts at people you were a Sith. Uh, yeah
0: nobody nobody wants to be a goodie do they
1: yeah yeah if you're a good guy you could heal people oh great if you're a lot bad guy you could kill everybody before they bothered you (laughs) that was a lot more
0: entertaining fantastic fantastic listen thank you uh it's we've been talking for an hour and i realize you're a busy man and you've got to go back you probably you're going to carry on writing now yeah
1: yeah i've got some work to do today
0: uh and it's half term and, it's so you got, you got, and also you've got a busy family life too, haven't
1: you? Yeah, yeah. I've got three, three daughters. The oldest is uh, depressingly 19 this year, and about to go to university. Uh, I don't understand how that happened. To study astrophysics as well. No. Yeah. She's like...
0: oh, OMFG.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> she, wow. She's just... Wow. She showed me her physics book and uh, they get more difficult, this physics book, as further you go through it. And there were like 20 chapters and I got to chapter five. And then I was like, this is the end of my knowledge of physics. I don't understand anything. <laughs> Gravitational pull of stars. Nope.
0: God, I mean, I've struggled with a list of contents. Never mind getting to chapter was, five. Yeah,
1: blimey. So she's doing that, and then then Faith is is my uh, youngest. She's just turned thirteen, which is a barrel of laughs. And then the uh, the youngest <laughs> is Harley, and she's ten, and she's a ninja. Excellent.
0: Do they read your stuff?
1: Uh, no, no, no. Uh, they, they they Kira's Kira doesn't really do reading. Um she's uh fiction she doesn't really get do fiction no No, i think
0: i think it's a generational thing isn't it i mean i worry yeah my my eldest son who's 25 doesn't read anything really at all uh and my youngest has just started to read he's just started to read some Kurt vonnegut actually faith Faith and
1: harley do they read right but my stuff's a bit too old for them so when they're older if they want to they're more than welcome to when they were younger, they both were like, "Can I read your books?" No, I'm not being responsible for any new words that you learn whilst reading those books.
0: Well, Mr. Piercy certainly wouldn't have approved, would he? He'd say, "No, I'm sorry, there's much too much swearing in it for you yeah, girls." He, he so would you're, have you're been not reading it.
1: Absolutely, aghast at uh, the <laughs> amount of swearing and violence in those books. Steve thank you
0: I wish we'd had this conversation before I I used to agonise over those books and worry about what you might think and everything yeah I need to go it's fine just do what you want yeah listen thank you so much really appreciate it. it's great to talk to you cheers thank you thank you bye David David Yes, Ruth. What is it? Honestly, David, didn't you hear me shouting your name in my distinctive and absolutely authentic Newcastle accent? Sorry, love. I was listening to an audiobook through my headphones. E-man, David. I do love an audiobook, me. But my enjoyment is so dependent on the narrator. Were they any good? Yes. Spot on, actually. chap called Simon... Hello, Ruth Archer. Hello, David Archer. Hello, Eddie. Are you all right? You look very pale. No, David. I'm most definitely not all right. I've just found two of your sheep. Dead. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Looks like they've been mauled by some sort of wolf. Where? Could have been. It was a full moon last night. No, where did you find them? Oh, up in the top field. And I was looking for you, David, because I've just come back from the and barn. You know... The one that we were planning to turn into a holiday cottage for troubled teenagers? The Swear B&B? Aye. Well, it's not there, David. Someone has burnt it to the ground. Oh, God. Fire magic. Not again. Oh, do you think it's them, David? Of course it's them. Who? Vandals. No, elementals. you what? Magicians, sorcerers, alchemists, necromancers, werewolves, dragonkin, Norse dwarves. They're worse than the vegans and the climate change activists. What do they want? It's complicated. It's all to do with Avalon. The titular track from the 1982 album by Roxy Music. How we man, Eddie. Don't be daft. They'll only be here for a couple of days, I'm sure, until they make their way to another realm. I hope you're reap, man, David. And that's not all. I just pray they haven't bought that annoying foxman hybrid, man. Let's hope. Well, hello, playmates. Now, who does a horny hybrid have to shag to get a drink around here? We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you'd like to hear more in the series, please visit our website, www.talkingbooks.org.uk.